Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is uh, uh, welcome to the NASCA Stop Child Abuse Now Blog Talk Radio Show. NASCA is the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. We got more music. <laughs> uh, my name is Victoria Kelly, and I'm your host for the evening. My uh, co-host is Annie, and we are in stand number 3122. And I'm excited to introduce to you our special guest this evening. However, first, we have a single purpose at NAFCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society, get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse. Presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Again, we are on scan number 3122. And if you would like to be part of the panel this evening or call in and listen, please call 646-595-2118. And my co-host will meet you on the back line and ask if you'd like to ask a question or have anything to say. We'd love to have you join us and support our guests. Um, I also want to let people know that... um, these are recorded, and you can go back and listen to any of the um, archived shows. And uh, if you keep the same number, it's always the same number. Um, and we're on Monday through Friday nights at, at the same time. Special guest um, is uh, Sherry White, and uh, we are having a question and answer call and discussion with survivor professionals using an open mic forum will feature a survivor professional co-host who will field topics brought to you, brought to the episode by you, the listener. Tonight's special guest is Sherry Wade from Covington, Tennessee, an anti-bullying advocate and author of three books who uses her own story of being bullied and gaslighted to help those endure, who endured the same abuse today. In sixth grade, I began a long lesson in the human predator prey 
dynamic and in a battle for my dignity, safety, and my very soul. At first, she took the physical beatings, name-calling, and abuse. Jared was a victim of what is called polyvictimization. In just six months, she went from being a kid who always made the honor roll to an angry and bitter girl who made only C's and D's. Who could concentrate on schoolwork, she asks. Sherry attempted suicide at the age of 14. Because I felt powerless, I began to bully those who were, who were um, even weaker than me in attempts to grab back some of my power. On these episodes, we welcome various co-hosts, survivor professionals who will assist in fielding questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our column participants. Their trauma-informed perspectives as survivor professionals will help guide them and the discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality that spring from questions and topics brought to us by our listeners. Everyone's invited to engage in our tonight's show. Please visit the NASCA, N-A-A-S-C-A dot org website. There's a whole bunch of information on there. And uh, so let's uh, go on. And uh, Sherry White, welcome to the show. And thank you for thank coming you. on. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. So if you, uh, I know you've been on before, and I'm sure glad that you were able to come back. So if you just want to start where you start, because I know this is not your first rodeo. <laughs> well, how are I, you tonight? Uh, I, I, I'm doing great. I'm just now getting home. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my car, okay. so. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. All righty. Yeah, I'm parked in my driveway now, and I've got some pretty excited dogs inside the house, so I'll probably stay out here and <laughs> and talk because oh, that's the dogs are going to be parking can, pretty much. Oh, I see what you think. Okay. Um, that's that's <laughs> Uh, but um, as you said, I've I suffered bullying for six long years from the time I was in the sixth grade until I finally transferred schools uh, during my senior year, and they were the worst six years of my life. And I, I felt like you know I was on a constant battleground. Anything I did or said uh, would be shouted down it was like walking across the minefield you never knew when somebody was going to come out and attack you right and i'm so glad yeah. those days are over now yeah we we're just talking before you came on of just imagining how we even lived through that stuff you know we came out came out the other end right and, you know yeah and I'm so glad that uh, that I survived the suicide attempt. And otherwise, I wouldn't have lived to to talk about it and to reach out to people who are being bullied today and help them. So, right. well, we're glad that you didn't do it, just for the fact that you know, without without even having to advocate for other people, just the fact that you survived is also enough. I want to let people know that as survivors, you know. There's a lot of us that go on and continue to help people, but but your surviving is is astronomical against unbeatable odds, and I always try to tell people that, you know, just the fact that 
we're living in this world today in whatever way we're functioning is, is just miraculous to me. I agree. It, it is miraculous and I, I appreciate it. And I, I feel like that God was with me the whole time, you know, at, I may not mm-hmm. have felt it at the time because I felt yeah, so alone, look. but I look back now and I, I, realized that the Lord was with me all the time and I couldn't be more grateful because I I have a feeling that if he hadn't been with me, if he hadn't had his hand on me, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I either would have succeeded in the suicide attempt or one of my classmates might've killed me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's real. (laughs) Very real. And I think you know, writing the book about the bullying, it was good therapy. It was cathartic. It, it was, uh, I was finally able to get it out. And once I got it out, mm-hmm. I felt, I felt so, I, I just felt so much better. It was like a weight being lifted off my shoulders. And what was the name of your first book? Uh, it was, it, it's entitled, uh, from victim to victor, a, si- a survivor's true story of her experiences with uh, school bullying, and it's, okay. it's a chronological account. Mm-hmm. It's a chronological account of the bullying I suffered from uh, the seventh grade until my yeah uh, from the sixth grade until uh, until graduation. Of course, I I I. Uh, I switched schools during my senior year. So those last those last months of school were actually very uh just it, it was a complete 180. You know, at my new school I was accepted. Uh people uh just took me under their arm and I couldn't be more grateful. So there's, yeah, there's a happy a ending to the book. Right, right. Matter of fact, I was uh, um, contacted this one gal. We we kind of we were running that classmates thing, you know, and uh, we reconnected with each other. Though we both just got off because we really want to connect with anybody else <laughs> after we thought about it. <laughs> but anyway, um, but anyway, we connected and we kind of chit chat on Facebook and stuff. And I called her a few times and stuff. We talked about that. Anyway, she's in another state and life and all that, you know. But we, you know, I'm 60, and so that was I don't know, maybe five, ten years ago. So it was quite a long time after graduation, you know. But this, um, not this Christmas, but the one before, I wrote to her and I said, you know, I just want to thank you for, you know, continuing to, you know, be my friend and everything. Because you know, a lot of people from high school, you just, you know, if you are friends with them. And uh, she she wrote back and said, well. I wanted to thank you because I came to a new school and it was a middle school, you know, and kids are, can be pretty mean. She said, uh, and, uh, I was in the bathroom and I was feeling really bad. Um, she was, um, partly native American, which she, I never really looked at that, but anyway, um, I had asked her to come sit lunch with us and it was really no great honor because we were like the outcasts and everybody sat like a half table away from us. <laughs> you are not you know, to be near us. And so it was like not really, as far as I was concerned, you know, it was just 
something I just asked her, you know. And, and she said, you were the only one that even talked to me. And I just want to thank you for that, you know, because I felt like, you know, I fit in somewhere. And I tell you what, I had tears in my eyes because you just don't know what kind of an impact you can have on people. You know, just right. by that gesture of saying, hey, you want to come sit with us at lunch? Because it was right before lunch we were in the bathroom. And there was about five of us right. that sat together. You know, we were like pretty much a social outcast. We were the, either being bullied or ignored. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because the other kids like the Daytons and Donald Humphreys and plugged all the country clubs and all that kind of stuff. So it was like we didn't even exist. You know, that was their school. And, you know, like I say, they're still trying – probably um, uh, tried to scrape this nut off the things. <laughs> Once I had to their hands so far up in the air, <laughs> you know. They didn't know right. that, but then they, some kids would bully us, you know. And that was horrible, being tripped and spit on and knocked, books knocked out and taunted all the time. And I would come home crying, right. you know. To my grandma, I'd cry. Finally, she called to school when I was in my younger grades, and that didn't help. That made things worse. You know, this right. world didn't do nothing back then. It said, oh, some kids are bullies and some kids get bullied and that's just the way life is, you know. And so, you right. know, I was still affected emotionally and um, everything else, but I just didn't come home crying anymore. I just kept it inside. Right. And I guess my grandma thought it was fair because, you know, <laughs> I didn't cry anymore. <laughs> Right. So what? And you yeah, know, more so what way did you cope? What was going but on? You know, did you tell anybody? I did, and there were times my daddy went up there and chewed the principal out because uh, the principal at, at my junior high, he was just as bad. You know, he knew I didn't fit in, and it's like he joined in with the kids. I mean. I would. I had a few adults that bullied me too, and all that does uh-huh. is sets a very dangerous present precedent when a teacher or a principal, uh, any mm-hmm. any school official, bullies a child yeah. because it just reinforces it, it. sets a dangerous precedent. It sends the unspoken message to the kids that are seeing this that mm-hmm. hey. If the adults are bullied, if, if a teacher or a principal bullies this girl, then it must mm-hmm. be okay. Right. So, right. you know, and, and adults should know better. Yeah. And they do. Just and they do know better. And that's what makes mm-hmm. uh, bullying teachers or bullying principal, any bullying adult who bullies a child is worse than the classmates yeah. who bully that child because they're an adult and yeah. they know better, but they, and, and, and they, they know how much it hurts that child. They also have uh, the authority to right. stop intervene, you know, where, where the teachers like in my school, they didn't intervene, you know? And, and so, you know, some of the blame has got to be put on them for, you know, just, just not protecting me. <laughs> and so I started hanging out with the, the, um, monitor at, at recess I would just walk around with the monitor the whole recess I didn't nobody play with anyway you know <laughs> and if I did try right. to join in I wasn't like allowed so I just sat and talked to her you know and I would just 
Jabber away and all that recess. And uh right. yeah, so I mean I even went to the school psychiatrist and told her I wanted to kill myself and her response was, uh, you know, every kid that comes in here and says they're gonna kill themselves, none of them ever does it, you know. And it was like mm-hmm. huh? <laughs> Yeah, very strange. Right. Strange responses. Um, do you think that the schools are getting more aware now, or or do you think? I mean, is is this still a very big problem with the, the teachers not intervening or not or actually joining in on this? Well, it's bad enough when when teachers don't protect the child. Worse, it's even worse when they join in. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you see as advocating for children now? Do you see uh, any of that changing um, in any way, or um, you think we still have a long way to go? Oh, um, uh, is, is any what changing? Is any of the, the uh, teachers' I, opinions, the education of the teachers about bullying, is is that really like getting through to the teachers or? Or do we just have a lot more education to do in the schools? You know, I don't think, even today, teachers don't care about the bullied kids. You know, I hear the stories. So, you know, even today, they don't care. And I I feel sorry for any kid that is in school and being bullied today because it's Mm -hmm. it's a lot worse now. It's a lot worse because they can, they get online and they bully the kid while he's at home. At least yep. when I was being bullied, you know, once once the dismissal bell rang and you went home, you didn't have to worry about yeah. seeing those people until the next school right. day. But now, yep. uh, kids are, uh, they, they can bully them 24-7 by getting mm-hmm. on the computer and stalking them, hunting them down mm-hmm. and and bullying them. Well, and also joining so other kids that are bullying, spreading, spreading uh, um, viral videos and all that kind of stuff. If they get kid like a compromising situation of some sorts, and it's all out there. I mean, it's on the internet. You, once something's on the internet, you can't get it off. I can't even imagine if some of the stuff that happened to me was recorded and put on, you know, some sort of a platform, and and people watching it right. and laughing, you know. I can't even right. imagine how you horrible have, that. You have all of these videos of these bullies jumping their targets, and they're beating the crap out of them. Then you've got another bully yep. recording it, and then they put it mm-hmm. on YouTube or on or on yep. social media like Facebook, and and they do that to humiliate the child. Not only is is the target child hurt and, and mm-hmm. beaten, but they have to, you know, just take, they have to rub it in their face by putting it in, putting it online for the whole world mm-hmm. to see. And that's and humiliating to the kids. Technical enough to, to not even have anybody follow up and say, you know, why are you putting in this on? Or this is evidence that, you know, you abuse the child. I don't see it going anywhere when when these videos are put on. You know, there's no legal action of any sorts it seems i could be wrong right and any 
anytime they they put that on uh on the the computer it's uh, they don't have any uh it's like they have no fear of getting caught no fear of getting in right. trouble and that suggests yep. to me that that they feel like they're going to get away with it and they probably do yeah yeah because there's so much of it that they they you know I'm sure in their minds are going wrong. Well, we're not tracking down every, you know, one of those situations. You know, people have people have been desensitized. Yeah, exactly. And then even, you know, even I know that uh, um, a lot of the kids in my school were like, just, you know, if, if one kid didn't wear the right shirt or something, you know, they'd get teased. You know, can you imagine... You know that that kind of st- always worrying that something might be put on if you don't quote do the right thing that your friends want. You know, and that peer pressure stuff too. Um, it just right. it's just a whole new world. It's a whole new world for um, perpetrators and um, you know um, narcissists and all that stuff to to bombard people. Um, right. And and and, and nowadays people. we. Nowadays, we live in a world of narcissism. Yep. It's not, it's not, you know, if it's not identified and a lot of times the person that's being abused is the one, they look crazy, you know, and uh, that's the way that whole dynamic is set up, that the narcissist looks normal and keeps denying Right. And then victims will tell their story. well, I got a hundred people say that I was victimized and they've got, you know, themselves saying, no, it never happened. And all of a sudden, no, it never happened. You know, you persuaded those people to be on your side or, you know, it's like, there's just, it's just, I don't know. It's very, very frustrating. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of my classmates were narcissists because, I mean, it got so bad that they turned the entire school against me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had yeah. maybe a few teachers that believed in me, but the rest of them. Yeah. You know, I just, I yeah. didn't have anyone in my corner. And, right. you know, the teachers who were in my corner, you know, had to, mm-hmm. you know, they had to, uh, if if they, they were afraid that if they took up for me, that, uh mm-hmm they would get bullied by the other teachers. Yeah. So they were kind and of like basically I was radioactive. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about you doing this show and then I was thinking back to when like we learned to dance in school, you know, and this, I remember right. this one kid and he was supposed to be my partner and stuff and we had to hold hands, you know, that was the closest you could go, you know, but um, we had to hold hands right. and we just, Barely hold down to the tips of my fingers, and the whole time that we dance, eh, eh, you're gonna get you know, and, and beyond girl <laughs> yeah. germs, you know, I mean, beyond girl germs thing, right. it made me feel like crap loud enough that everybody in class and the teacher heard, and you know, yeah, he didn't want to dance in the first place, and he was yeah, right, right. But I'm going to tell you, you know, the good side to this is they didn't break me. And that that's the that's right. one point I want to make. They did not break me. 
it in the end it made it made me stronger and and I'm not saying that bullying is good for anybody because it's not but no. I had the will you know I had the will mm-hmm. I was determined yeah. that they were not going to break me yeah and it paid off yeah that's why I kind of look back all I survived and stuff and it's like what is it that kept me going you know there was something in my inner spirit that must have said you know you're, you know, you're what? worth fighting for, or something like that, you know, that to to be Why? a survivor, have some bit of something that says you don't deserve this, and that things can get better. I mean, that that hope that whether it's big or small, um, because that's right. that's I think well, when children is and they believe it's hopeless. Absolutely, I I can tell you what what kept me going. What kept me going was the process was the prospect of graduation. It was also uh, basically what if you know what if things change. It was always what if you know yeah you know mm-hmm. it, yep. the f- prospects uh, my future pros- prospects in the future kept me going. I always looked yeah. ahead you know uh, mm-hmm. even during the worst. Even during the worst bullying times, I still looked ahead, and I I told myself in the back of my mind, you know, this is not going to last forever. Yeah. It's not going to be forever. This is just one chapter of my life. I'm going to graduate mm-hmm. in X amount of years, and, you know, I'm yeah. not going to have to deal with these people anymore. And that's what kept me going. Yeah. Yeah, I know. For and I think if I had in the home, I, got, I got home and I was bullied at home. You know, my grandparents would, um, you know, make fun of me or put me down or whatever. And not only just in front of them, but in front of, you know, other family members or friends or whatever that came over. And I know that um, my brother, they used to hold my brother down and tickle him. My grandfather would and, you know, some uncle or something and until he peed his pants. And then they laughed at him because they thought that was funny. You know, and that was like every holiday. So, so like, you know, for him to look, yeah, for Why? him to, yeah, yeah. It just that is so and, I, and I couldn't. Then I couldn't do nothing, you know, to protect him, and I felt this horrible that right. I was happening to him. That that is that is just so wrong to humiliate a child like that. You know, the holidays yeah. are supposed to be a joyous time for children, right. and when you humiliate a child. And mm-hmm. cause them to to soil themselves in front yeah. of other the whole family. It just yeah. and then not even it, it, it changes it, clothes. But yeah, right. It, it was just I'm so sorry that happened to him. I, I really too, am. I am too. He he got killed when he was uh, 19. I was 17. He got killed, and uh, but but he had a really 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 hard life. You know. And uh, turned to alcoholism and drug addiction, and he was walking down I'm the so middle of the road. And got a carnival. Yeah, he was walking down the middle of the road, and he got hit by a, a truck. He had already been in an accident where he lost his hearing, his speech, and his sight, and he got his um, speech and his sight back, but never his hearing. And so the the guy that was driving the truck was drunk and said he honked. He didn't know why he didn't move out of the way. And uh, well, my, I'm sure my brother was drunk or high as well and walking in the middle of the road, you know. 
And uh, um, but anyway, you know, I had always prayed that he would get his hearing back. And then I even blamed myself because I thought, well, now he's in heaven and has all his functions back, you know, and everything. And, you know, is that my fault for praying that he could hear again? You know, I mean, yeah, I I took a lot of guilt on as a kid for for things I, you know, had no control. But you don't even realize that until you, you know, you start talking about it. Um, For me, it was starting to talk about the therapist and, and, you know, to just really... A lot of that stuff is so buried. Unless you talk about it with somebody or you hear somebody else talk about it, um, it, can, it can make a lot of difference in your life. So I appreciate you telling your story because, um, you know, somebody might be listening that that happened. They might have never shared it or really ever recognized the impact it's had on them. Right. Right. I, I am so sorry that happened to your brother. Yeah. Yeah, and my grandmother beat him all the time just because she didn't like boys, and um, and you know got my grandfather to do it as well. So he went to live with my mom, and she had him on the carnival, both my brothers, and you know that was hell on wheels too, you know. So yeah, right. It's like he just couldn't get away from it. And and I remember when they left, and you know they're trying to teach us math and everything else, and I couldn't concentrate on school. I mean. <laughs> All I could all I could think about is, hey, my brothers just got ripped away from me, you know. They went to live with my, right. my real mom, and and that's all I could think about. I couldn't think about, you know, what what the capital, what state was, or you know, <laughs> memorize dates so did, of you know certain events. You know, I, right. I couldn't comprehend why they to teach me that, and nobody was helping like, helping me, <laughs> you know, because they just didn't teach nothing like so, that in school. Like if you know. So, how did your grandparents react when he got killed? Oh, they well, he wasn't living with us and everything, and they just said you can't go to the funeral because, you know, you have to go to school. <laughs> there was no my grandfather. Oh, no. My grandfather was there, but that was you know, he didn't really get to show his emotions because my grandmother hated my mom. She was my step grandmother. She hated my mom, and. uh she said, kept threatening if we weren't good, we had to go live with our real mom. She didn't want us. We were told that she didn't want us, and they had to take us. So everything that was even given to us was like, um, it was like, it felt like it was being taken, you know, food was being taken out of their mouths, or, you know, we used to have really good jobs, and we had to quit and move in this old dump, and, you know, I had to stay home all the time, take care of your kids, what was it going to do? So it's all about that, you know, and the whole thing with, you know, their parenting was, it wasn't about the kids. It was about them, about their needs and, and not right. really caring, you know, whatever, you know, if they got fun out of, you know, doing that to my brother or, you know, if if they could say, you know, I mean, grandma would say things like, oh, you stubbed your toe, you know, God, you must have done something wrong and God's punishing you for it, something I don't know about. And and it was just oh, always these weird, weird, weird messages, yeah. And so I didn't want to go to school and I didn't want to be at home. And I ended up in the morning starting to throw up and get really bad migraine. And so they took me to the doctor. They thought I had, um, the doctor thought I had a brain tumor. Kept me in the hospital for like five days. And I guess during that time, I must have talked to the doctors and nurses. And uh, anyway, so when, you know, we were getting ready to leave, the doctor says, well, what she needs to do is see a psychiatrist. 
And I can remember my grandma dra- grabbing me and dragging out me there, screaming at him, she's not crazy. <laughs> but it was basically, oh, they didn't want to talk about the family. You know, they probably thought I was in there right. five days talking about the family. But I, you know, I had this closed lip because I was too afraid. I just was talking about how bad I felt about myself, you know, how I didn't like myself. Right. I wouldn't say what on, you know. And uh, so anyway, I can remember a few days after that thinking, maybe if I look like I'm crazy, they'll get me help because I thought, well, maybe that's the answer. So I tore apart my whole room, threw everything all over, was screaming and wailing myself around in this and that. And finally was just exhausted and stopped and, I don't know, went outside or something and came back in and my grandma just had put my room back together and that was the end of that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, you know, living under those conditions, I can imagine, would would make somebody feel bad about themselves. Yeah. You know, if you're yeah. constantly and being browbeaten. Yeah. Had no role models and, you know, had no nobody that was, you know, really encouraging. So it was really just like just survival from one minute to the next, you know. And that's how I lived my right. life for years. Now one moment to the next, but I... I focus on being the happiest I can in every moment, you know, whereas before it was just, I got to get through this. I got to get through this moment. And, you know, when I got away from my biological father when I was 21, because it kept coming back in my life, um, you know, that was how I survived that just by, I got to get through this moment. And and I couldn't think beyond that, you know, I never think, Oh boy. You know, when I mentioned my grandfather, I wanted to go to college and he says, well, the only reason you need to go to college is mix baby formula and, find it and um, change diapers, you know. You don't need to go to college. Wow. And then, you know, and then the other thing in those days was, in their day, was the only reason women needed to go to college is to get the degree MRS, you know, which is Mrs. <laughs> find a husband. Right. <laughs> and that was, you know, wow. there was no... There was no um, expectations, you know. I was getting C's and D's in there. Well, as long as you tried. And I knew I wasn't trying, and I figured they didn't even give a shit enough to know I wasn't trying. (laughs) Right. Well, it takes away your will to try. You know, when you're being browbeaten and and beaten all the time, it it takes away your your will to try. And not only that, you know, it's... Or have hope for the future, you know, if if you don't see that around you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, instead of being, uh, but not only that, but it takes away your uh, focus away from learning, and your focus is yeah. just on surviving, getting through the day. So there's no way right. you can learn. If you are in survival mode all the time. No. No, you can't. Mm-mm. No. Because I can tell you when I left, when I left uh, the school that I was being bullied in and went to a new school, my grades yeah. skyrocketed overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was because at the old school, I fe- I was in survival mode all the time. When I... Yeah. transferred to the new school, then I felt safe. I was away from the bullies, and I was able to concentrate mm-hmm. on my studies. 
And my yeah. grades went from C's and D's and a few F's to straight A's mm-hmm. just overnight. Yep. I mean, I couldn't yeah. believe it. I couldn't yeah. believe how easy schoolwork got for me. Yep. I had a boyfriend that believed in me, and he says, um, I says, I'm dropping out. My grandparents, oh, they're fine about that. It's 16, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, if you don't want to go to school, you don't have to. We'll go sign the papers. And the counselor said, yeah, it's probably the best thing. Not doing well anyway, you know. And so anyway, um, you know, he told me, look at the look at the curriculum or the little catalog thing, which I, I guess I never even knew they had one because I never bothered, you know. <laughs> And uh, he said, pick wow. out the classes you like. So I picked out these certain classes, and I went back to the counselor and said, I'm going to stay in school, and these are the classes I want. And he said, uh, I thought you were dropping out. You know, <laughs> I thought they were getting rid of this problem. And and I said, no, no, I'm staying in. And he looked at the class, and he says, you can't take these. And I says, why not? He says, because these are college prep classes, and you are not going to college. <laughs> you know? And Whoa. and I said, well, if I'm failing, if I'm failing the easy ones, I'm also failing the hard ones, and these are the ones I want, you know, because I had that guy in my back, you know, in back of me. He wasn't in school with me, but you know, somebody believed in me that I could do it because he told me right. I was smart. Nobody had ever told me that before. And so I took right. the classes, and I got A's well, and one B. And like you said, I couldn't believe how easy it came, you know. But but you know, I tell people that or putting down kids or the grandkids or whatever, I'm like, you know what? That kid probably just needs one person in their life to believe in them. You could be that person, you know? Absolutely. And a lot of people don't know that, that as an adult, you could be that person. And that was just, you know, it could be somebody that's a community event. It could be somebody where the kid goes to church or, you know, a a neighbor that just, you know, is a kind person and, you know, you just never know. And people say, oh, these kids these days, I will say, you know, if you think kids these days are a problem, get involved in the community and start something up that's positive for them to get involved in. Because apparently there's nothing out there, you know, that that's getting them interested in, in going Absolutely. in a positive direction. That's right. Annie, are you still on the line? Do you want to any questions or say anything or maybe call on some of the people on hold? Is Lori still there? Hey, I'm here. Yeah, would you like to share anything? Oh, sure. I'll go back to my days. Uh, I also was in the sixth grade when I uh, got bullied. I was actually friends with this girl. She was the uh, second toughest kid on the grounds. Um, and we hung out this summer and what all that. And then I was shy, basically. So, you know, I don't know why she was wanting to be friends in the first place, but I always kind of seemed to be with those kind of people. She had problems at home, which made her the bully. Um, and in that grade, they had the, you can move your desk around. So we were opposite each other. And with her, we just happened to get the wrong answer, on the same wrong answer on a paper, and she just exploded, accused me of um, cheating on her. And I didn't even have a chance to think. <laughs> I was like, why would I cheat off of you in the first place? Because I, I didn't do that kind of thing back then. I didn't need to. 
Um, but eventually nobody in the whole school, I was isolated. You know, nobody would talk to me. Nobody would, and she would actually be punching me and kicking me and knocking my books. Oh, and she, she tortured yeah. me. I'll never forget her. Yeah. Um, which made me more introverted than when I started. So I eventually yeah. I walked in early one day into class and the teacher was there and I, you know, I said something to him. You know, he knew what was going on, and he laughed at me. Yeah, he honestly laughed at me. So I got so pissed off. Um, I started actually because I couldn't concentrate on my grades or anything because, you know, I was in fear for my life. I actually started stealing with this other girl, Tess, out of his drawer, his desk drawer, um, and taking him home, finding the answers, writing it all on there, and there there were my grades. That's how angry it made me. Normally I could never do something like that. But that went on, you know, and then it changed me. It changed who I was. I didn't I didn't have a normal school experience. You know, I watched people around have it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have it, you know. And I wasn't about yeah. to befriend anyone else because this one turned on me like that. It was like, I'm not taking another chance like that. So that yeah. was the end right. of that. And when I figured it out with the teachers, you know, Basically, even today is what it is because I know them and been through them. These teachers, they want to be popular, all right? That's the first thing. And they don't really see themselves popular when they're sitting there trying to help, you know, the ones that are being picked on. Because a lot of them, right. if you notice, when you're coming out of college, you you could be given a class with the kids only just a few years away from you. You know, it's you know you're almost your peer circle. So you don't want to, um, you know, have them on your bad side. You know, you want to be the cool one. So they're mm-hmm. they're not even mature enough, some of these teachers, to even know, you know, the other side. I'm sure in college somebody must have had a course in bullying, you know. You, you would think that that should have been added to the curriculum, but the teachers don't act on it anyway. So, you know, it went on. Uh, I didn't have any out, and as bad as it was, it was worse at home. So it was a -a 24-hour-a-day type thing, and, you know, it did take a toll on me. honestly did take a toll on me. Um, I'm a different person than I could have been. You know, I found a lot out later. Um, You know, it's um, to the point where, you know, I recognize... My Did it affect you in the confidential trust with trusting anybody? I mean, trusting, no. like, no. into a, like a friendship with some parts later on in life? Not. Absolutely not. It seemed every person that I came across, for some reason, would become real tight because people were drawn to me, but they had, like, problems, and they would unload on me, and they knew I would understand somehow. I'm like like an empath, I guess, type type of thing. And, you know, if it happens more than, like, once, twice, you figure out that's just the way it's going to go, and that's the way it went for me. So um, yeah. my trust in people, I trust, I don't even think I do have anyone right now that I totally trust. And I'm, since I'm 65, I don't picture anybody in the future, you know. Well, maybe one, yeah, there is one person. But me as a trusting person, no. Mm-hmm. It affected everything yeah. I did. And I knew I was alienated. I wasn't like other people. 
you know, I my life went in a different direction. Uh, in classmates.com, you know, you you can go and see how everybody else ended up, and they turned out like, you know, they functioned in life where I was like held back because of the effect yeah. all of this had on me. So that's yeah. what's going on. And what's going on today with the teachers, um, they're afraid of the students. Now, I, I live in New York, and I live in one of the worst school districts going. And I, I went through that school district. And since I live in a community with the teachers and their friends of mine, they're afraid of the kids attacking them. That's what it comes down Why? to because there are gangs. Um, I mean, first day of school, there was some dead kid laying on the, t- the hood of a car. I mean, this was the opening year. That's how bad it was. So they are literally retiring early. Um, they look horrible. I could tell from when they started school because my son was in there too until and yeah. keeping up with them because they all kept up with me. And I see what it took out of them. So many of the teachers yeah. have retired. They opted to retire early. You know, I can't blame well, them. Not, I don't want to go in they, there and be killed. And there's always those teachers that you don't mm-hmm. like because you can't like everybody in the world, you know, and just because they're teachers. I mean, they have the tools um, to teach and whatnot, but they don't have the personality or whatever. Well, maybe they were bullied and the kids even can pick it up. Maybe they can sense that the teacher was bullied and that's what they're doing. I mean, it's it's wow. it's pretty screwed up, you know, yeah. as to what the mentality is going back and back and forth. But it's not safe. But no that's matter who you are, yeah, we have no matter who you are, you could get. You know, I brought my. We, I lived out North Minneapolis at school, and I went to my daughter's school for, I don't know, something or another. And we had to go through a metal detector, and I told my yeah. husband at the time, I looked yeah. at him, I said, are we at school or jail, you know? No, I mean, they just, have metal I, detectors in the school, definitely. No, she had to have a tag with her name on, like, do it some companies. You know what the teachers do, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is, like I said, I just have the the mini stroke and I'm off, you know, but I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's something that I know I'll forget in in two seconds if I don't say it now. Um, What teachers do is they connect to themselves. They have lists that they share with other teachers on each of the problem kids that are coming up. And they have formed, like, their own society, I guess, against the kids because, you know, they have to let each other know because it's gotten violent. Mm -hmm. So that's how teachers now are thinking. They're not even thinking about, oh, good, this is a wonderful child. Let's get her through. There's safety Mm -hmm. in numbers. And for the teachers to have to actually do this, like, it's almost like the police kind of work what they're doing you know it used to be where you know you can handle the kids teach can't handle kids anymore it's just the way it is um i when you went on about oh and i felt so bad the bullying online on the phones and the cyber bullying everything my poor little neighbor i knew her since she's seven years old and from coming from a broken family she was there she never had a friend in school because she was off and the kids would bully her from day one, 
She's now 15, and she's spent her last two years in a psychiatric hospital because she tried to kill herself. All this from the bullying. Parents went up with the school, argued. They changed schools, and the same thing happened. And that they went to the police station and filed complaints on the people that were doing it. And that went, of course, nowhere. Um, it damage done to her, and she reached a breaking point. And this is where she still sits today. So their yeah, bullying is the worst of the worst. If they yeah. can survive it, if you can survive it and even go on in your life, it's amazing. And to do what you were doing, all the books you've written, all the, you know, everything you're giving, you're giving and giving after getting what you've gotten is, I find amazing. So, you know, thank you. Yeah, oh, thank I you agree. so much. You know, I was I was bored with all on the fence, and we had a schoolyard right next to us, and I'd sit out there and I'd watch the kids out in the schoolyard, and of course I only seen all the kids at recess, so I never knew you know really what was going on in school. So you know, I kept telling my brother because he was a year and a half older, I can't wait to go to school. He goes, Oh, you're not gonna like it. (laughs) So I think I think he was also boy, but I'm sure because he didn't talk about nothing. But anyway, so I went over to the schoolyard one day, and I think there was about six teenage boys. And they had this rope, and they put it around my neck. And three of them pulled on one end, and three of them pulled on the other. And I had, like, literally cut rope burns into my neck. Um, and my brother oh. was sitting on the fence, and he got beat because um, because um, he didn't protect me. Well, his teenagers, and he's, what, five and a half? You know, like, I don't even know what my grandma thought he was supposed to do. But she went over to this. She knew two of the kids, so she went over to the the uh, parents' house, you know, because I guess she thought they were going to do something. The parents were going to do something about it. And uh, then um, a week later, we got a brick thrown through our front window. Um, and my my grandparents reported that. And, you know, nothing ever came out of it because nobody could prove, you know, who threw that brick. And, you know, I got really, really, really scared. And then our neighbor was molesting the children in the neighborhood, and that came to be, came out. And, you know, okay. it's just... I just really don't know, like I said, how I really survived my childhood, you know, and then I was always, you know, having like flashbacks and stuff, but I didn't know it. And I had been sexually abused before as a year old. And so all that was, you know, going on at the same time. So like I said, I look back and I'm like, just the fact that I graduated and I graduated a half a year early. I never took study halls. So I took all the classes in those times study halls would be because I bullied in study halls, <laughs> you know, I got bullied. I'd have about eight or ten kids falling behind me and taunting me. My last name was Shepherd, and they go, sheepdog, sheepdog, bah, bah. And if they get near me, they'd knock my books out of my hand, trip me, spit on me, whatever. And so I never knew who was going to be, like, my attacker, you know, or when it was going to happen. And I get on the right. bus. And the I same can thing totally relate. You know, and it was like, you know, plus all that other compounding, my grandparents being alcoholics and nobody, you know, being there and shit. And then I look back and go, yeah, when I picked up a drink at 15, I loved it. You know, that's why I say I knew I was alcoholic when I was 15 because I just enjoyed it too much. You know, it was like my answer. I say, I'm an alcoholic and drug addict, but alcohol drugs are my problem. They were my solution. And people try to say that, you know, I'm not taking responsibility for my drinking or this or that. It doesn't matter, you know, what 
other people think. Matter of fact, my sponsor said other people's opinion of you are none of your business because if you're focusing on what other people think of you, you're not focusing on yourself and, and you know, taking care of yourself. And uh, I did have one gal in school. It was uh, um, probably 10th, 11th grade, maybe maybe eighth or ninth grade that came up to she must have been a christian because she came up to me and says you know what it says in the bible and i says what she says kill them with kindness i said i don't even know what you're talking about she says well no matter what they do to you just just say oh i hope you're going to have a nice day or you know whatever and i started doing that and they started leaving me alone and and i was like wow you know there are other people that might be able to help me i think i did hit at that point, and then that's when I got that boyfriend convinced me to stay in school, but I graduated half a year early, and because nobody really knew me, I showed up at graduation at the ceremony, and the girl in front of me says, oh, I didn't know that you were going to graduate. We we all figured, like, I don't know how many of you all were, <laughs> we all figured you dropped out, but nobody even knew me enough to know that I'd graduated early, and I had taken enough credits to do that. Wow. Is Philip but every time I, Huh? It, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. but oh. I just thought about him. Oh, oh. He's usually on. Philip. Uh, well, are you, are you guys there? I'm here, yeah. Uh, I was oh, just asking okay. if Philip came on, and I guess they're checking... I, I think um, Phil might have been on, but I think he was just listening, and it's the three of us now. Oh, okay. Um, Annie had to go. She she messaged me, and she had to go. Um, um, she had a friend in a medical crisis, so okay. she had to go. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. We can all handle this. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Onward. <laughs> Onward, yeah. How many so, listeners uh, do we have? That you, wrote, you wrote three books, so um, you want to tell us a little bit about your second Second book, yeah. And third, yeah, I can do that. Uh, actually, I've written four, but uh, uh, well, three fictions, oh. one one memoir about the bullying I suffered. Because so that's four. My second book okay. was uh, Counties, Cronies, and Hayseeds, and what that's about is a woman who had been bullied in school. Uh, she comes back to the town that she was bullied in to sell off her grandmother's estate after she dies. And uh, she finds out that the bullies that bullied her in school now run the town. And uh, they're heavily into politics. And basically they pick up where they left off. Becomes very dangerous for, for the woman and her children. And uh, anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of lawfare in the book. The uh, the bullies commit lawfare against her, you know, having her arrested for crap for for uh, bogus charges. And uh, anyway, she she finally escapes the town with her kids, but barely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that happens a lot. I I've spoken with a lot of survivors that, well, I can't you know I can't talk about my parents or I can't talk about this or that person. My family's you know 
connect with the church or they connect to law enforcement. That's happened a lot. You know, files get lost and, you know, the kid ends up right. not getting any kind of help because they're all interconnected. And and the kids know right. they're growing up, too. You know, it's very, very enforced in, you know, you think anybody's going to help you kind of thing. Nobody's going to help you. Right. And, and you have to leave the town. Uh, the thing is, they try to keep her in the town uh, right. because they uh, they put her on uh, basically because she went to jail. And of course, she gets out. Then they tell her that and uh, that she cannot she cannot leave the town for uh, eleven uh, let's see eleven months and twenty nine days. Wow. Oh my God! Wow. But she manages to, you know. In the meantime, they take they they take her kids. Uh, but they, she finally, you know, some friends. She finally, you know, gets help from a few people, from a few good people in the town, and they go in and get her kids, and then they get them out of that town. Wow, yeah, yeah, and and it's not it's not really you know. Um, uh, fiction because so they don't just use the they don't just use the <laughs> yeah. legal yeah. right and they don't just use the legal system against her they use uh, child protective services against her um, they burn yeah. her house down yeah you know it's it's just gotten really dangerous for them and luckily they get out wow wow it's so compelling yeah. No, your books are on uh, Amazon, I imagine. Yes. Okay. Uh, the third book is called The Vow of Chastity Baker. And uh, this is about a a woman who who starts out as a teenage prostitute. And then she, uh, when she finally uh, gets thrown in jail and her pimp threatens to kill her for being caught, she finally gets out of that life and she starts to she starts to uh, build herself a good life. She goes to college. Uh, she eventually she uh, she graduates college. She makes some friends, but along the way she runs into roadblocks. She's bullied because some people know about her past being a prostitute, and they bully her over it. But she ends up uh, getting engaged to the the policeman that that she met that arrested her at the end of the book uh the fourth book is called kids under the latch key and this is from uh it's a first person narrative uh from a girl who witnesses a uh, mentally handicapped uh young guy being bullied and Mm -hmm. this is from this is from a bystander's point of view. Uh, this bystander, uh, which is a 16-year-old girl, uh, befriends a 21-year-old mentally handicapped guy who's mistreated in this, in this small town because, you know, he's mentally deficient. He's, you know, he can't work. So the only thing he does is he pulls a red wagon around and he he collects cans to make yeah. a little money to supplement his disability check and people make fun of him. And mm-hmm. so 
anyway, it it culminates to a really bad tragedy that forces this girl to uh, to question God and uh, and in humanity in general. Sure, but it it's it's told by a a now middle-aged uh a now middle-aged woman but it yeah, the, the okay, story it was from when she was a kid mm-hmm. yeah and she witnessed this man being horribly treated right oh yeah i bet there's a lot in that and then you've got a fourth part uh, that was my fourth book. Okay. Did we miss one? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's From Victim to Victor. That's the first book. The second book is Townies, Cronies, and Hayseeds. Uh, the third book is The Vow of Chastity Baker. And then the fourth book is Kids Under the Latchkey. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. They're They're from a lot of different perspectives and then um so are you doing um like do you belong with the organization or is this your your kind of mission that you're doing the books uh well i'm i'm a blogger i blog you know i blog about bullying Mm -hmm. and uh and what target uh the link to the blog is uh uh, blog And my you author... Spell Cherie, spell Cherie for people? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, C-H-E-R-I-E W-H-I-T-E dot com. I mean, dot blog. And then my uh-huh. author okay. website... My author website is www.authorsheriewhite.com Great. Yeah, that'll help people to to find you. Um, how, how do you get into blogging? Uh, I started uh, about uh, in about 2016 and I did it because uh, I was getting ready to, I was working on From Victim to Victor and I wanted to have a platform for when I published my first book. So I started the right. blog in March of 2016, and I published my first book in May of 2017. So uh, oh. I had read that that book authors had to have some kind of a platform, which was usually a yep. blog. So that's where yeah. I started. Oh, that's wonderful. That's now really I'm great. fixing to go self. Uh, in the next few weeks, I'm going self-hosted. Oh, so uh, yeah. So what I'm uh, my blog is already linked to my author website, but uh, it, I'm it's going to be a self-hosted blog, and so it's going to have some new features. It's going to have uh, it's going to have a different look to it. Yeah. Well, that's great. And uh, I'm also I'm also working on uh ebooks to uh put on my website. Mhm. 
if people yeah. and it, they're going to be in, in ten parts. Uh, it's going to be a series of eBooks, and it's going to be different aspects of bullying, and it's going to help targets. Uh, basically, it's they're going to be the they're going to be focused on the mindsets of bullies and why they do it. It's going to help targets to realize where bully, bullying comes from, and it comes from fear and insecurity. Mm-hmm. And okay. it's also going to give targets uh, ways to pr- protect themselves. Great. That's really good. Yeah, that information uh, will be also, helpful for sure. Well, thank you. I've also uh, I've also just completed my fifth and sixth book, and they're sequels. Uh, one book is a sequel to The Vow of Chastity Baker, where she gets married. Her and the, the, the police officer gets married, but her in-laws find out uh, that uh, she had once been a prostitute, and they bully her. And okay. she also yeah, gets bullied at work because oh, it spreads no. to her colleagues. But, yep. you know, she she gets through that. You know, the, the book has a happy ending. Then uh, mm-hmm. the second sequel that I'm – it's going to be the sequel to uh, Townies, Cronies, and Hayseeds. Uh, basically, where another girl is uh, going through the same thing with the town and its cronies. And yeah. uh, the original characters, the girl that was bullied by the town in the first townies, cronies, and he's hayseeds, she and, her, mm-hmm. she and her friends come back to help this girl. Oh. Now, what's a hayseed? So, uh, <laughs> oh, hayseeds. Uh, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Country people. (laughs) Okay. Country people. Okay. uh, But this is going to be Townies, Cronies, and Hayseeds, too. Okay. And uh, it's going to be a lot of secrets about the town to come up. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of which uh, the new, the... uh, some of the bullies are into uh, pedophilia, and oh sure, a lot of them are into uh, Satanism. Uh huh. So these people, basically the 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 second girl they are bullying, her her kids get kidnapped, and they have oh, to wow. go in and find them. Wow. And they they find out that they're is tunnels under the town that they they take oh. these kids to be trafficked or to be sacrificed uh, to the Luciferian yep. cult. Sure. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever um, thought of uh, um, turning your books into audio books? Uh, you know what? I have. Uh, I'm I'm fixing to start looking. Uh, first things first, I'm going to get them published. Yeah. Uh, my my sure. last two books, and uh, in the meantime, I'm going to start looking into getting them put into audio books. The thing about it yeah. is, if I go through Amazon and they do the yeah. audio books, 
yeah. then then I'm going to be restricted to um, publishing them on Amazon only. But if I go oh. through a different company, an uh, audiobook mm-hmm. company, then I'll be able to pu- I'll, they'll be available not only on Amazon, but on mm-hmm. uh, you know different platforms like Barnes and Noble, Read More, and you know other yeah. online bookstores. Yeah. Well, I think that's important, you know, because I know a lot of a lot of people want to write their survivor stories and stuff, and there are so many different ways that you can get your books out there. And you know, there's people that um, have approached some of my friends saying, you know, I'll uh, um, I want to take some stuff out of your book and put it in my book. And then um, my one friend read the small print and basically said, you know, they get they get the money for it. Not only that, but if anything comes out of it with their story they get the rights to the movie or whatever might come out of it. And, and it's just, boy, my client right. read the, you know, read the whole document. So um, I just want people to be aware that there are so many ways to do it. And, you know, a lot of people think they have to, you know, write the book and send it in and, and buy a thousand copies up front and, you know, stand on the street or go, you know, go somewhere to try to sell them themselves. There's so many different ways to do it that I suggest that people check to what their options are, you know, and what would you suggest right. on that? Well, you know, it's funny you uh, uh okay, uh, repeat that. I just had a blank. Well, I just well, drew just, a blank. Yeah, just, just there's so many different ways to get your book published. And I think some people are getting taken advantage of, you know, take this class and in a, you know, two months you'll have your book and you'll be the top seller and this and that, and they're they're just charging them a fortune. There's just so many ways that you can get your book published, and I'm afraid uh, a lot of people are falling traps. You know, right, you right, take. gotcha. Well, um, I've had a good, nothing but good experiences with. Uh, I do independent publishing, and uh, I've had good experiences with Lulu.com. Now, used okay. to uh, with these with the uh, Four books that I have, I I bought a publishing package. Uh, however, they don't do publishing packages anymore. You have to basically go on there and use the tools, the publishing tools, yourself, which I'm and still learning to, to do. Is there a cost uh, to them? The well, the the publishing packages were. Uh, what I got was a, was about $999. However, if you do it yourself, uh, uh-huh. you can, uh, you can either do the whole thing yourself and you pay maybe, you know, five to $20 or you can get a professional, like if you get a professional, um, uh, book cover design, which I'm probably yeah. going to have to do this time around, and that's probably going to be, I'd say, around $200. And, and I'm uh-huh. just guesstimating here because I haven't really uh, looked okay. into a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I've looked into some, but I haven't looked into all of them. Yeah. So yeah. I'm still in the in the middle of doing my research on that. Right. Right, and that's what I guess what I would recommend people is research, and don't just think just because you found one, you know, one way that you might be able to publish it. There, there are so many um, ways out there that you could get your book published, you know, or get help with your book. People, you know, 
yeah, I got this story, but I can't write it. You know, there's ghostwriters. There's, you know, people that will be right. at what the you one do. Thing I want, you know, you don't have to have punctuation uh, and all that crap. Go ahead. Right. Well, I've got a, I've got a personal editor. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He is an English professor. So he does my editing for me, you know, at right. At a good cost. However, you know, a lot of people aren't that lucky. And if if you go to an an editor, a professional editor, you're looking at thousands of dollars. But if you know somebody that is maybe an English professor, an English teacher that might be able Mm -hmm. to help you, then then you might, uh, you know, granted, you know, you want to offer to pay them something. You don't want to insult them. Right. Right. So. You know, you might, you know, look at paying, you know, in in the hundreds. But sure. a professional ed- editor, I think you're looking in the thousands. Right, right. And then so a ghostwriter is uh, like a completely different um, yes. way to do a book. Yes. Now, ghostwriters are pretty expensive, too. Uh, I prefer to write my own books, but uh, you know, a go- ghost write I-, I can't do a ghost writer, uh, and th- and that's just me personally. Right. Well, I know somebody said to be wary of it because they could they could like switch your whole story around, you know, and it not, not really come right. out how you want. You know. Right. That's what I'm afraid of. So I write. Yeah. I-, I would suggest writing your own books, uh, writing your own stories, just. But uh, once you get once you get done, uh, edit mm-hmm. it yourself, and then try to get somebody uh, else to edit it, because right. you need that extra set of eyes. Because you will miss yeah. you will miss quite a few stuff. Yeah. Well, they can also tell you like, well, you really jump from here to there. We don't know what happened in between here. You know, like <laughs> can you kind of fill right. that in and or? They don't, or and they don't just check you on your uh, on your punctuation or spelling or grammar. Uh, a a good editor wants to make sure that your book flows. If the story doesn't flow, then it's no good. And right. that's what my personal editor does. He wants to make sure he always makes sure there make sure that the story flows. Because if it doesn't right. flow, you're it, it's going to be a crappy book. I know my friend just published a book, and um, she said she had way too much information, and she's like giving her editor all this information, and she said, this is way too much information. It's just not going to fit in here. Let's pull out this piece and that piece and this piece and that piece are important to put in there, you know. And uh, um, I thought that was really helpful because I have a lot of information, (laughs) and uh, um, I like the fact to let people know that, you have to include everything in one book. Like you said, you know, you have done more books and you're doing more books. And, you know, um, for people that it just feels like it's so overwhelming, there, um, you know, there's there's even support groups on uh, Facebook for writers, you know, to, you know, or if you want to just start writing. A lot of people don't even know where to start. You know, there's some groups, you know, you could just share a little bit of what you've written or something or ask people for, you know, help. Um, not like anybody's going to write your book for you, but, you know, if you want to write your own book, there's, there's 
that will encourage you because it can be very lonely when you when you're trying to write a book. Right. You know, and I think we need to support each other in getting our stories out there, whatever way we can. And so I really like like talk radio show because you know survivors can tell their stories. They don't have to have any kind of experience. They don't have to have a book. They don't have to have a you know platform. Nothing. You know, um, it, it's right. quite the start. I think that's where I started. You know, I met Bill over 10 years ago and did a first Black Tech radio show. And I was scared to death to tell my story, you know. I I just, you know, and I probably, I haven't even listened to the original one, but I'm sure that it was overwhelming because I was overwhelmed, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can be for, and, for a while. You know, I published my last book in 2019. And after that, I was kind of, I went through a writer's block. So I took yep. about two two years off. And, yep. and of course, this year I started, I thought I really need to get back to writing. So I, I wrote these uh, two sequels, these sequels mm-hmm. to two of my books. And uh, I'm in the process of getting one of them edited now. Uh-huh. And Great. my son just published a book on Lulu Mm -hmm. and he did it manually. So, you know, when I get ready to, to publish one of my, uh, one of my sequels, then he's going to show me how to do it manually. Cause you know, I'm a, I'm a good writer, but I'm not as technic, technically savvy as he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My son works, uh, his, his day job is in it. So yeah, he, he's more tech savvy my than I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My kids, you know, they'll be saying all this stuff. You know, like my son says, "Oh, mom, you know, because I had to set my computer." And he goes, "Mom, all your information's in a cloud." And I go, "It's in a what?" <laughs> I go, "It's in my computer." No, it's in a cloud. And he kept trying to explain cloud. And I looked up in the sky. I was sitting in my meditation area. I said, "Oh man, Rick, I see a really dark one going over. I think that's where my stuff is." <laughs> he just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I said that one was like a spool of something, <laughs> you know. He gave me a phone and it said told me it was a smartphone or whatever it was called back then. You know when they gave it to me, I don't know how many years ago, and when they first came out and says here, mom, and put all these numbers in the address book. So I'm off to leave, and I got this piece of paper with all my phone numbers on it. And my daughter's like, Mother, I put them all in your address book. I said, I can't even find the address book. Barely dial the phone, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I go off on my way with my friend, and we come back, and I said, oh, my God, we kept getting lost. And she goes, how did you get lost? I said, because we didn't know where we were going, Alicia. And she says, well, why didn't you use your GPS? I go, my GPS, what? (laughs) She's like, your GPS monitor is in the phone. It tells you how to get places. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? Because she shows me how to use it. And I don't even know how long it took me to do that. And and then anyway, I was going to the store. And I said, yeah, I'm going to the store. And, you know, I haven't been there before. Well, you know how to get there? And I go, no, I don't. But I'm using my GPA. She goes, oh, God, mother, please don't use your grade point average because you will never get there. <laughs> it's GPS. <laughs> I kept calling GPA, GPA, and my kids kept correcting me, and then finally they said, you know what I mean. (laughs) Just because I don't call it, you know, the right thing. (laughs) Right. But, 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 you know, not a clue on this technical stuff, you know. 
and I'll ask them how to do something, and my son will go, Godmother, just Google it. Or there's a video on YouTube. You know, like, I, you know, <laughs> you do this for a living, and you can't even help your mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I took. Uh... I took computer classes back in 2016, and I graduate, so I know a little bit. But at 2006, I mean, technology has changed so many times since 2006 when I graduated. It's right. <laughs> so I yeah. know a little bit, but not like my son. You know, my son has to. You know, he's constantly having to get more education because he works in IT and he works for the government. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like my son, you know, I'll say, oh, man, I don't know. My computer's messed up. I don't know what to do, you know, and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And finally he says, okay, mom, I'm sending you an email. Just click on the link and I can take over your computer. I'm like, you can what? He goes, just click on the link, mother. <laughs> So I do, and then I yeah. watch him, little arrows moving around, and he's going down on all these menus, and then says, do you need this program? Do you need that program? I said, uh, how do I know if I need that program? You know, I'm afraid of erasing anything. And he's going, we don't know what it is. You don't need it. So he's taking that off, taking that out. No wonder your computer's running so slow, you know. How'd you download all this? I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but he's really patient. He's really patient with me, you know. But he that's what he does for work, you know. He does. Um, um, I don't even know what he is, but, but he, you know, he has a lot of patience. He used to come over when uh, he was a kid. They had computers. Well, I was selling on eBay, but I didn't want to do like simple things like copy and paste. So I'd say, well, I got to copy and paste this. And he'd say, oh, here. And he'd kind of, you know, get on the computer and do it. And I'd say, can you just show me how to do it? And he'd say, oh, Godmother, it's just easier for me to do myself. Well, he was in foster care. And so he was just coming on the weekends. And I says, well, that's fine. All these questions. I says, you could just do it. I says, but next week I'll have the same questions if you don't show me. <laughs> Plus more. Right. So if you want to spend your whole time while you're visiting doing all this for me, you know, can you teach me? And, and I tried, tried to say what he was doing. And I said, you now you need to slow down so I can write this down because I'll never remember what you're talking about. <laughs> and then he right. say certain words. That I, well, what exactly does that mean? <laughs> Just at the simplest stuff, you know. I wasn't going to take class because I'm very intimidated. Um, You're like in layman's case. terms, please. Yeah, and <laughs> and you know, I have trouble typing, so you know, I took an Excel class, and it took, you know, I was like, you know, it took me forever, and uh, I am even just a word processor is what we had. We were typing poetry up, and uh, you know, it took. I got this computer and I'm all excited and I plug it in and I don't even know how to use it to call a guy up. And it took him 20 minutes because he kept going, go on your desktop and this is there. And I go, it's not on my desktop. And he goes, yeah, it's on everybody's desktop. Well, it's not on my desktop. And he kept trying to explain it to me this way and that way. And and finally he figured out, I'm looking on my desk. I don't know a desktop. Right. You know, and I said, oh, God, I don't do it. No, no, don't worry about it. You know, he's really nice about it. And I says, I says yeah, that's what happens when your old lady tries to, try to use a computer. <laughs> My kids are going to daycare on computers all the time, you know. <laughs> but I, I barely right. know how to turn the thing on. <laughs> I could follow the directions <laughs> and plug it in, but beyond that, I was, you know, ain't got a clue. <laughs> right. So I was supposed to say, I can't get my TV to work or this, that to work. I got to 
I got to find a kid to do it for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maria, Maria, are you still with us? You want to pop in anywhere here? Still ready? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was listening yeah. to the, uh, you know, because I did minutes. write a book and it's titled and it's done and events and where they happen. Um, but I mm-hmm. never published it, although I have so many people who wouldn't even let up on me to publish it. And it was because I don't want my son knowing what happened to me when I was younger. You know, he has enough of his own problems, so I didn't want to add to it. That was the reason. Since I had um, too many strokes, I'm not able to, uh, and too many just, I have brain damage. You know, I can't do it because of that, of a, a legal medical problem. So I'm just going to donate the book and see if somebody wants to do something with it. Maybe it will do good for other people as these people who keep nagging me to write it. and pu- I mean, to publish mm-hmm. it, you know, that, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So um, thank you for well, know, making me I make that decision. I know some people that have had like similar experiences where they're afraid their family or, you know, somebody might know whatever that have used a different, have used a pen name, you know. Um, I mean, I really can't write the book. I can't do any of the, any of the post office stuff, any of the, anything that involves a computer. I can only do what I can see art. That's all I'm left with. So I'm going to donate it. Let somebody else do what they want. Let them do it. Yeah, and my son won't find yeah. out. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not looking to make. Thing. I'm not looking to make money off it. You know, it's just that I survived this, and maybe somebody could survive something by yeah. reading that. You know, because it was pretty bad that right. I survived. Yeah, yeah. That, that's my reasoning. Plus, I have no yeah, interest have in writing. I've got uh, two women that um, contacted me because I self-published a book, and it was only eight writings, you know, and contacted me and asked if they could write a book, uh, my story told to them, and then I would get the, uh, they would get what they put, time they put into it, and then I would get the royalties or whatever you call it. And, uh, um, you know, I was for that because I can't, with my having MPDs, and then I don't have that anymore, but they gave me shed treatments. So my brain doesn't work right. Oh, so you Plus know me. All the other, you know, I have, um, you know, ADHD and, you know, PTSD, complex PTSD and all these other issues, and I just can't do it. I've got journal after journal after journal that I've written in. So, you know, I sent them all these journals, and I put a note on top that says, you know, these are all my writings. There might be shopping lists in there, and there might be to-do lists, but if I haven't bought it by now or done it by now, I probably never will, so just throw them all. <laughs> I said, and I'm sorry. You know, I had to put a disclaimer. I'm sorry. It's just everything, you know. But they're working on it, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen out of it. But whether it does or not, you know, somebody's at least kind of keeping those for me instead of me having to wonder if my kids will come and clean out my house when I die and just burn everything or throw everything, you know, just feel I put a lot into it already. So let's see, we're just coming. We got uh, 
two minutes here. Um, so, Sherry, would you like to uh, give us any final words before uh, I take us out with the music? Well, I, I wanted to uh, wanted to let you know, if you publish a book, anytime you have a publisher come after you, I have a lot of, I've had emails from a company called Durant's Publishing, and they, I think they go through the Library of Congress and they find your books, and then they come at you wanting to, wanting to publish your book, and and it's already published. I don't mess with them because, number one, they, uh, they charge about fifteen thousand dollars, and so word of warning: if a publishing company ever comes to you wanting to publish your book you need to run for the hills because yeah. that's not how yeah, publishing that's works that's what i was talking so about so that's my final that. word i appreciate it okay well i'm going to take us out with uh, the music and uh let's let's all support each other uh, on uh, getting our stories out there thanks everybody um god bless uh, adult survivors of child abuse and god bless uh, all the children of the world and every adult is responsible for every child so Let's uh, keep the work up. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You want to get I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know what you have done Judy was boring Hello Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com It's my little escape Now Judy's the life of the party Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon Whoa, take it easy Judy <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.